Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. The other day I had an invitation given to me. It was an invitation to a wedding. And I got the invitation, opened it up and looked at it and I'm sitting here reading it like this. And, and, and what it was is this loving couple thought of me and my family and invited me to their special day. I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing, right? Now, when the invitation, guys, think about this. When the invitation was handed to me and I grabbed it, okay, the invitation was given to me. Uh, I was given at that point a choice. You go, what do you mean? I could choose to attend the wedding or I could choose to decline. Oh, no, I'm not going to go. But either way, what I want to bring out is the, the choice was, was mine. Once the invitation left that hands, once the invitation was given to me, it was my choice at this point what, what I was going to do. Now, just in case if you're wondering if, I, if, if, we are, if we chose to attend this wedding, well, the answer is yes. We said we, we will definitely be there. For you see, I will be officiating this wonderful and joyful ceremony. So yes, I'm going. Now, I tell you this today because we discover something amazing in verse 1 of chapter 7, something that just blows our mind. But before we jump into our study, please let me um, allow me to ask you a question. Okay, think about this for a moment, okay? Just ponder with me. What would our world look like? What would our world look like if everyone graciously accepted God's wonderful invitation to a relationship with him? Now, again, guys, let that sink in because I, I want you to feel the weight of it, okay? What would our world look like? Even, even our neighborhoods and, 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 and the schools that our kids attend and the people we hang out. What if our world, if everyone graciously accepted God's wonderful invitation to a relationship with him? I mean, imagine with me a world where we're invited as humans to know God, and to experience his love. I mean, think about it. Imagine a world. Now, listen, God sent his son, God sent Jesus into the world to save us. Jesus, guys, think about it this way. Jesus is God's invitation for us to know freedom from sin, a joy that is unspeakable, a peace that passes all understanding, and a life that's full. That's who Jesus is. How did Jesus come? Well, Jesus came as a little baby. He came as a human, and he came with, well, he is that great invitation. Reminds me of a story. There was a, there was a deputy. His name was uh, deputy, he was a deputy sheriff, and his name was Lloyd Prescott. And this happened way back in 1994. And Lloyd Prescott, he was, well, he was teaching a class. He was teaching a class for police officers in the Salt Lake City Library. He's teaching this class. And he's dressed in plain clothes, and something unbelievably happens. Now, of course, in our day and age, guys, we can, we can certainly relate. But what happens was he stepped out into the hallway and teaching this class. Hallway, he noticed a gunman herding 18 hostages into the next room. This happened way back in 1994. Well, with a flash of insight, Prescott, right, dressed in street clothes, he joined the group as the 19th hostage. He followed them into the room and shut the door. But when the gunman announced the order of which hostages would be executed, Prescott then identified himself as a cop. In a scuffle that followed, Prescott, in self-defense, fatally shot the armed men the hostages were released unharmed. The deputy sheriff, think about this. This deputy sheriff, dressed in street clothes, became the savior to 18 other people because the bad guys didn't know who he really was. I think it's the same with us and Jesus. You see, he came as a human being to what? He came as a human to bring an invitation 
for reconciliation. Now, I believe, guys, this story illustrates what God is trying to communicate to those in the days of Noah. Now, remember, before we jump into chapter 7, remember what we talked about three weeks ago. In Genesis chapter 6, 12 through 13, actually sums up what's going on in all of chapter 6. Let's take a look real quick, guys. Jump back. Genesis chapter 6. It says this in verse 12. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. Why, Lord? For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Your attention, please, guys, can you imagine a world? God looks down at a world he created. He created, and of course we know God is love, and he created us with such love and such passion, and all of a sudden he looks down and he sees that the world that he created, the very creation was what? He looks down and the Bible says that it was corrupt, and there was violence everywhere, and that all flesh had corrupted their way. Now, of course, we know in studying Genesis that early on, I mean, things were going good. Chapter 1, amen. Chapter 2, yes. And then chapter 3, sin fractured everything in, and, and it just took off, right? And you had a godly line, and then you got, you got an ungodly line. For Cain rose up, and he killed his brother. And he didn't take any responsibility. He didn't say, okay, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. He said, so what? Where's your brother? I don't know. I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? And we see a godly line, those who heard from God, and then we saw an ungodly line. Well, just a few chapters into this, we see that God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was was a mess. And God speaks to Noah, and notice what he says. He says, the end of of all flesh has come up before me, and the earth is filled with what? Violence through them. I don't know if you feel like this or not, but if you'll take a moment and you'll see our world today, it's the same. You see, our world is not going to get any better. And, and, and because there's social media and because there's things, we see that it's, it, it is a total mess. And we see that what happens, guys, is that, is that we feel like it's some sort of what this, this, this pressure cooker that's going on. And it's not going to get any better. We can look down and go, man, man, why are we so divided? Why are we so divided? So here's my thought. As God looks down in Genesis chapter 6, and he looks back on the earth back in Noah's day, I wonder if he's looking at our earth the same today, and does he see the same things? I guess you'd have to say in your mind, is our world corrupt? Is our world corrupt? Is it full of violence? Guys, think about this. In just a few months, we're going to get an, air, we're going to get in an airplane, and we're going to fly over the ocean, and we're going to fly to Israel. And everybody asks, whenever I go to Israel, is it safe in Israel? And I think our world is so corrupt and so violent, guys, that you can't go to McDonald's without being... And you go, wow. You have to be so careful. You go, you go into the grocery store, and instead of being carefree and free, you're looking at people, and you're wondering, why is this different? What's going on? And could this be? Why, church? Because we never know, do we? We never know. And, and I think God's looking down, and he's going, man. And again, I feel the weight of this verse. Why? Because notice what God said. God said, all flesh has, has corrupted their way, and things on earth were not good. And then, I, and then look at verse 13, guys, of, of chapter 6 real quick. Then it says, God speaks to Noah. God speaks to Noah. And here's just a side note, guys. God still speaks to us today. He spoke to Noah, and he still speaks to us today. But here's what I thought as I was, as I was thinking about this, as I was meditating on this, and, and I was thinking, God, you're speaking to Noah, and Noah's responding. And I thought, God still speaks to us today, but I think we need to tune out all the things that try to drown out his voice. And I think the devil does a very good job of, of well, let's just call it static, so that we don't hear God's voice. 
It's static. And you go, well, like what? Well, we have to go in our lives, we have to say, what is static in my life that I can't hear God's voice? What is it? What could it be? Well, guys, it's really simple. I mean, Captain Obvious, it could be, it could be social media. That is something that really is, it could take us all the way and, and, and we don't hear God's voice anymore. The crazy thing, if you ever notice, if you ever pull out your phone and you look at social media, the crazy thing is, is that there are times you could be looking and you don't see anything that's going around you. And that blows my mind. That's like, how did, you, how did you get, when did you get here? What's going on? And what's even crazier is, come on, we, come on now. We get over to a stop sign, right? And so we're going, okay, what do we do? Oh, well, let's pull it up. And we're at a, we start looking. And what happens is we don't realize, well, we'll take off. And we'll keep looking. Okay? We'll keep looking at whatever it is. Now, you go, well, I'm not really into snow, Ben. I don't do social media. But the problem is, is we're so addicted to these things, guys, because I think this is trying to drown out the voice of God, that I think if you'll have it right here, and you're driving, and it goes, oh, I got a text. What is it? And even if you, I mean, think about it, guys, are, are we that way? And you go, oh, okay, we respond. And the problem that I have is that I don't even realize that I've driven a block because I'm responding to a text when I could have waited. And it takes real discipline, guys, to put the phone and go, okay, I'm not going to do this in the car. But I also think, guys, as God's speaking to Noah, listen about it, think about it. What is, what is he trying to say to us that we're not allowing him to say? Like, it's static. And, and, and I just jotted these down. I think Facebook is one of them, right? Because we're so concerned about what everybody else is doing that we'll, we won't hear God's voice. What about Instagram, Snapchat? And I think Pinterest is one, too. You can sit there and you can look. I mean, the Internet in general so what I did, and I was, I was going to give these to you, I went on the internet and I just said, how many people are using social media? And I mean, it was in the billions around the world. The billions, social, all of these. And, and there's probably more that people use that I don't even know of. These are just the ones that I'm just like, oh yeah, Snapchat, yeah, internet, yeah, in general. But my point is this, my point is, is and here's, here's what I really want to help us, okay, me included, okay, because I'm still, I still struggle with this thing. What... In our lives, guys, is, is God trying to communicate with us that we can't hear because of the static that we've allowed in our lives? What is, is the static? What is it that... Because God's still trying to speak, and he speaks to Noah, and he still speaks to us today. Take a moment. Take a moment in your life, guys, and, and be serious with God and say, God, what... What am I allowing in my life, honestly, Lord, that's, that's keeping me from hearing your voice? What's, a, what, what's going on? So now we come to chapter 7. Okay? It's chapter 7, guys, this is the account of what? The worldwide flood. Think about this. Where only eight people survived. We know the ark is a type of Jesus. Okay? And the flood or the water is a type of God's judgment in an unbelieving and wicked world. That's where we are right now. This is what's going down. Okay? So what we're going to do is let's read verses 1 to 12 together, guys, and then we'll come back and we'll break down the verses. Okay? We'll, we'll unpack it. Genesis chapter 7, starting our study, verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And you shall take with you seven of each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. Why, Lord? For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all the living things I've made, and Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. And Noah with his sons, his wife, and his son's wife went into the ark because the waters of the flood, of the clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. 
In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So we begin our study with an amazing verse. And I don't know if you caught it, but let's go back to verse 1, and I want to show you something. It says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Guys, if you're taking note, the very first thing we see, again, is that the Lord said to Noah, first and foremost, notice it was the Lord, if you have a pencil handy, the actual um, Hebrew is Jehovah, Jehovah God is now speaking. He says, Noah, and that's who it is, it's the Lord. I was thinking maybe it was Elohim, that God was powerful, and he was going to say, Noah, come on, this is what we're going to do. I'm about, but it's, it's, it's Jehovah. And he says, Jehovah. So think about what he said. Then Jehovah said to Noah. Here's what I love, guys, because I think it relates to us. God in the midst of judging the world, he's about to judge the world. Okay, why? Because he looked down and he said, oh, no, it's corrupt. Everything that I created, they're full of violence and and it's a mess. And I'm going to put an end to all flesh. Even in the midst of that, he's still speaking to Noah. He's still speaking to Noah. And it's not, it's not that Elohim powerful, I'm going to crush you kind of God. It's a, it's, a, well, it's a personal God. It's a personal God. And he speaks to Noah. And I think this is amazing. Why? Because the God who created the universe is speaking to little old Noah. Little old Noah. And I think as Noah looked around, he probably wondered, why is God speaking to me? Who am I? Who am I? Noah, I'm just, I'm just a guy. And I think for us guys, if we'll get on our knees and we'll surrender our hearts to the Lord and we'll really listen for his voice, he still speaks to little old me too. And he speaks to you. And I think this is awesome. Why? Well, because I know that God speaks, but the question I have to ask myself is, are you, am I listening? Am I listening? You guys remember that that Noah, his name means rest, rest. And that reminds me what Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 11, 28, right? Through 30, jot this down. Jesus is speaking. He says, come to me, all you labor and, and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What is Jesus says? Jesus echoes the same words that, that is found here in Genesis chapter 7. He says, come to me. Come to me, all who all you who labor and are heavy burdened, he says, and I will give you rest. What does Noah's name mean? Rest. And I thought, wow. Wow, these tie in real good. These tie in real good. Now, the second thing we need to know that God is still speaking is Jehovah. The second thing, you jot this down, guys, and I found this is incredible. Notice what the Lord says to Noah. He says, come into the ark. Come into the ark. And you go, well, Ben, what's, what's so amazing about? I want you to notice the word Come. Why? Because now God is beckoning Noah to, and his family to come into the ark. Now, here's what I want you to know. I started our Bible study off by saying an invitation because this is an invitation. This is not a command. God's not saying, I command you, get in the ark. He's saying, come, come. And I thought, look at this. God is inviting Noah to come into the ark. Now, I want you to catch this. Why? It's not, again, it's not a command, but it's a beautiful beckoning of God for the salvation of Noah and his family. Why? Because God knows what's about to happen, and he says, Noah, come, come. And here's what I want you to think about this. I want you to think about for a moment, okay? I want you to go back in time. Go back to Genesis chapter 7. There you are. You're part, you're just seeing it, right? Because we don't want to die. We don't want to die in the flood, so we're just going to watch it from, okay, it's a projector. It's a movie. But think about this. Think about Noah, right? Noah had faith, right? Noah had faith to build the ark. God says, hey, Noah, I want you to build the ark. Yes, sir. I'll say, okay. He had to have faith. Can I get an Amen. It also took courage, guys. It took courage, right, in building the ark. Why? Because think about this. I'm sure that they criticized Noah. What are you doing, dude? What are you building there? Come on. And it took, it took courage for him to get up every morning and build an ark because God said so. 
Guys, think about this. It took faith. It took courage. It also took strength for him to work every day on the simple command that God said, go and build it. I want you to think about that for your life. I want you to think about that for your life and my life. Guys, it takes faith for us to get up every day and believe what we believe. The world is telling us, Mm-mm, don't believe that. Well, you're crazy. Crazy. Why are you putting all your eggs in? And, and it takes faith, but it also takes courage. Every one of you is filled with courage, right? To step out and believe what you believe in the world that is criticizing you for what you believe. It takes courage. But where does courage come from? Where does courage come from? Well, courage comes from inside. No, you know where courage comes from? Courage comes from when I stand behind you and go, brother, I believe in you and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm for you. I'm behind you. Let's do this together. Guys, that's the whole point of the body of Christ. The way we get courage to live our life in an unbelievable world is that we have each other and we support each other. That's where courage comes from. Because if I know my brother's got my back, it gives me the courage to step out and do the same thing he's doing at work. Oh, I need that courage. I need that courage. Courage doesn't mean I'm, I'm not afraid. And courage doesn't mean I, I mean, I'm, I still take the criticism, but courage knows, oh, my brother Soph, he's doing the same thing. He's, he's got my back. He's got, I've got his back. And that's why God called us into, into gospel community so that we can help. Just like Noah, it took, it took faith and it, and it took courage. And guys, it takes strength, unbelievable strength for you to get up every day and believe this word. And believe this word. That's what God said. But it also takes obedience, doesn't it? I wonder how many times Noah's like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. Listen, we've never seen rain. Maybe I heard maybe I heard God wrong. Maybe I heard God wrong. You know? Maybe he went to Mrs. Noah. I don't know her name. We'll just call her Mrs. Noah. No, Mrs. Noah, sweetie, what do you what do you think? Did I hear God wrong? I, I wonder. You see, because it takes obedience for us to keep moving forward. Now keep moving forward, guys. That's what that's what Noah did. Well, Unbelievable, right? Here's this monstrosity of a of a thing that people don't know what it is. I mean, is it float? What is it going to do? I've never seen rain. And, and now the time has come, guys. The ark is done. And here's what I want you to note. The Lord does not command Noah to get into the boat, even though he built it. Even though Noah built, built you build that, Noah, get in. He doesn't command him. He doesn't command him. Why? Because salvation is a choice. Salvation is a choice. Salvation is a choice. Okay, think about this with me for a moment. Okay, let's get a little abstract. Do you mind? Get a little little abstract in our teaching, right? Think about Noah for just a moment. He still had a choice, come on, not to get in the ark. He still had that choice. He built it. There it is. It's, it's huge. And people are looking at him going, Noah, you're cuckoo. Come on, buddy. What do you think this is? Noah, it's time for you to get in the ark. No, he still had a choice because salvation is, is a choice. Guys, think about that. And imagine with me, guys, for a moment, Noah. What if Noah not really believing, although going through the motions and even believe, even building the ark? I mean, think about that. What if, what if again... He, he, he didn't really believe all that was going to happen, all that God had said, even though he continued to do the motions. He even was obedient to build the ark. Can I get a witness? You go, what do you mean? Think about our lives, guys. Think about this. What if Noah's like, Noah, come into the ark, and he's like, um, no, thank you, sir. Oh, Noah, what do you mean? Well, it's never rained. I've never, I've never seen rain. I've, I, uh, no, no, I'm okay. Or, or what if he says, no, you know what, I, I think I'll stay outside. Listen, I got my peeps out here, even though they criticized me. You know, God, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Or what if he said simply, no, thank you, Lord. What if he said this? Now, listen, let's see if you can, you can, you can find the, the fine line of the thread into our day and age. What if, what if Noah said, no, thank you, Lord. I don't think it will flood the earth and kill everyone. I don't think he'll do that. Maybe you're just testing my obedience. I just think, wow, 
I think this paints a picture of today. I think it paints a picture of today. When so many are invited to the most amazing relationship man can have, so many still choose not to come in. So many. And we have the same, they'll give us the same excuses, guys. They'll tell us the same thing, won't they? I don't think God's going to send everybody to hell. I don't think God will send me to hell because I'm doing this or doing that or I'm sinning here. I'm God, you know, God is love, right? Isn't God love? God's love. So, and so if Noah was doing the same thing, we go, no, no, Noah, you built the ark. Come on, Beth. He's, he's beckoning you to come in. But a lot of people make those same, a lot of people make those same excuse. I don't think God will, I don't think God will destroy the world. Why would he destroy the world? I think about the story that Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 15. It's the tale of two sons. You guys remember that? We call it the prodigal son, but really there's two of them. You have an older brother, and then you have a younger brother, and you have a dad, and the dad is, is just doing his thing, and he's providing for his kids, and one day the son comes, the younger boy comes up and says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance, and that's really what he means. Okay? Now, in our day, if somebody came up and said, Dad, I wish you were dead, we'd probably hit him in the head and say, Go, get back in the, get back to work. What do you mean? But what he was saying is, Dad, 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 listen, I'm tired of all this. I'm tired of the way I live. I'm tired of Christianity. I'm tired of serving God. Give me what's mine. I'm out of here. Dad, I wish you were dead because I want. So, so we know what happens, right? Dad says, and here's what blows my mind. Dad says, Okay. And he liquidates, the kid liquidates everything, takes his cash. He says, adios, dad, peace, says to his older brother, I'm out of here. And he leaves. The story focuses more on the prodigal son. He goes out with prodigal living. We know he spends all of his money on crazy living and prostitutes. And we know, we know where, where does he end up? He ends up in a pig pen, right? He's eating pig food. That's how bad it got in his life. Okay, he's sitting there and he can't even eat the pig food because it's not it's gonna kill him. And he looks up and thinks, Boy, what a fool I've been. What if I'll go back to my dad's house. I'll be just a servant. They eat so much better than that. This is crazy, right? The Bible says this, and he came to himself. And so there he goes, and he comes back. Okay, he comes back. Dad, on the mean hand, is, on the other hand, he's sitting there, and, and Dad is, is loving his son, right? And, and, and Dad's going, man, I wish my boy would come home. Man, I wish my boy, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay, right? Dad's drinking a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden he looks down, and he says, wait a minute, he sees a speck coming up the road. No. That, could it be God? Could, could it is. And he runs. He drops the cup of coffee, my interpretation, and he runs. And he, and he welcomes his, his son. He welcomes his son. He says, come on, son. He tells the servants, man, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a best party. Kill the fatted calf. Let's go inside. This, you know what? Listen, we're not even going to karaoke this thing. Call up the band. This, we're going all out. Why? Because, because my son's soul... My son's worth is far more than just putting something together. We're going all out. We're having filet mignon. This is good. This is good. In the meantime, the older brother, right, had the same heart, but didn't leave home. Comes walking up the field, and he's like, hey, what's going on? There's a party going on. There's a party, man. There's dancing. There's food. It's, 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 it's just it's out of control, man. Come on. Why is there a party? Well, man, there's steaks and there's food. Brother, you got to come in. Why is there a party, I asked. Oh, because your brother, who once was lost, is found, has come home, and your dad has killed the fatted calf. Do you guys remember the story? And what happened? The older brother wouldn't go in the party. He stood outside with his arms crossed, and he wouldn't go in. You see, the invitation was to come in. The invitation was everything. So what does the dad do? The dad who made the invitation goes out and says, son, listen, listen to me. Everything I have is yours. Why won't you come in? Listen, it's right that we should celebrate. It's right because your brother was lost. Listen, you don't understand. When he left, this good Jewish boy and went over to Gentile territory, he was like dead. I didn't know if he was living or dead. I didn't know anything. And when I saw him, I said, oh, my son's come home. My son's come home. You, too, are my son. Why don't you come in the party? 
He invited him in, and what did the, what did the older boy do? He said, no thanks. No thanks, Dad. And Jesus leaves the story like that. But the point is, guys, the older brother refused to come into the party. He was given an invitation. Come on in. Come on in. See, you don't have to leave and be a prodigal to have the same heart that the prodigal had. Now, the Pharisees, just they just tripped out. Why? Because he was talking about the Pharisees. But here's what I want you to see in the story real quick. I'm going to see that God invited him into the party, okay? Because God invites everyone into the party. He says, man, listen, you might be a mess up. You might be a down and outer. You might be, a, you might be a, just a, a prodigal. You, your life might just, whoo, God says, come into the party. Can I get an amen? But he also looks at those who think they're self-righteous, the Pharisees, and those that, <clears throat> those that think they had it all together, those that thought, thought, thought they did everything right, things that, oh, I would never do that. And he says, I love you guys enough. You're invited into the party. The problem is, Where's, where's, the, where's the younger brother, church? He's in. He took, he took the invitation. He's like, I'm in! Wow. I don't, did he deserve any of it? No. No. And the older brother stood outside and said, no thanks. No thanks. No thanks. Guys, think about Noah, man. He... He might have even done the work. We know he did the work, right? But what if, what if he never entered the ark? He never entered into a real relationship with Jesus. Why? Well, one of the craziest and saddest verses that I've ever, ever encountered is found in Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. I mean, Jesus is speaking and he says this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, wait, 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 time out, Lord. What did you just say? He says, not everybody who's calling me Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Well, what's going on, Lord? He says in verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? Okay, now the the picture I want to paint here, guys, is that Noah could have had an unbelieving heart. We know he didn't, okay, but I'm just saying this. He He could have built the ark, but never got into the ark. And the picture I want to paint is there's a lot of people who are like this in, in Matthew chapter 7 that will do the work of a Christian but not have a relationship with God because they have never come into the ark. They'll prophesy, hey, we prophesied. We prophesied, right? And you go, yeah, we, we cast out demons in the name of Jesus, come out, yeah. And he says, and we did many wonderful things, or we did wonders. And Jesus looks at him and he says this. Now, this is Jesus speaking, not me. He says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Guys, the most important thing in your life right now is do you have a relationship with Jesus? You see, the works will be a result of that. But, but what if Noah? What if? What if Noah said, well, I built the thing. Noah, come into the ark. Nah, I'm good. I just did what you said, Lord. I was ridiculed, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. See, the word of God says that. And so... And so he offers the invitation, but the choice is ours. Third point we see in this verse, guys, if he says, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And what does righteous mean? It means just and lawful and righteous. It also, check this out, it means righteous in conduct and character. Woo, let's, let's talk for just a moment, right? He says, Noah, right? In a world that's corrupt, he says, Noah, you are righteous in conduct, in your behavior, and character. And character. I thought, wow. Wow. I've got some work to do. Because I want to be righteous. But I want to be righteous in my conduct and I want to be righteous in my character. 
And so immediately the Lord, the Lord said, well, Ben, what did Noah do to attain this righteousness? What did Noah do, right? Well, the Bible tells us. You go, what is it? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world. Now, here it is and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. What did, what, did, what, did, what did Noah have to do to obtain righteousness? Righteousness, Guys, he became, he was righteous because it was according to his faith. He truly believed. He truly believed. Now, can I start our Bible study right here and just say, I think... One of the biggest tools the enemy throws at us is he wants us to get us to, to, to doubt who God is in every situation in, in our lives. And that's his biggest tool. If I could get him to doubt, if I could, if I could get Brother Scott to doubt just a little bit, well, then he's going to struggle with that. And, and, and righteousness comes when you go, man, I put my faith in God. I put my faith in God. Now, 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 listen, listen. The other day, I'm driving to work, and this is this was several weeks back, and I'm looking at beautiful, beautiful clouds and sunrise and driving to work, and I'm thinking, God, I really believe in you. I believe in you. I, I love you, and I know I trust you, and I, I, I believe in you. I believe in I believe in you. I'm thinking about this, and 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 then I felt like the guy that says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because there's areas in my life that I'm going, do you really believe? Are you really put your faith and trust? Are you really stepping out and believe in that? What did, what did Noah have to do to attain righteousness, guys? He just had to believe, right? We become righteous, guys, when we put our what? When we put our faith and trust in Jesus. That's how you become righteous. Paul actually gives us the process. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. You can write this down. I'll read it, but you can write that down for later references. But the things that were gained to me, Paul says, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellent of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, before I go on, I'm thinking, Paul, this is what this is what we got to this is this is what we got to do. Think about what he's saying, guys. He's saying, but what things were gained to me? Everything that I have, he says, man, I counted it lost for Christ. He says, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus, whom I have suffered the loss of all things. But you know what I really count them? Garbage. All of that stuff is garbage that I may gain Christ. Here's what he's saying before I jump on real quick. Here's what he's telling us, guys. He's saying, guys, listen, everything that I've ever had, all the accolades and all the letters behind my name and all the material things in my life, he says, I count them as rubbish compared to Jesus. I count them as rubbish. Now, the problem is with us in this day and age, we've worked so hard for our stuff that it's almost a battle. It's almost a battle. We go, no, 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 listen, listen. Nothing in my life matters but Jesus. And if I am sold out 100% to Jesus, then I'm going to love my wife the way I'm supposed to love. I'm going to love my kids. So I'm not going to put them aside and go, well, you're rubbish compared to Christ. But I'm going to love Christ so much. But when it comes to Jesus, guys, he has to be far above anything else. He has to be above anything else. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is a work in progress. I wish we could just go, yeah, amen. I love Jesus, but then something in my flesh, and I'm like, no, that's mine. And it's like, really? Really? Oh, think about this. Imagine a world where you and I love Jesus so much that we just gave away our stuff. We just gave it away. We just, why'd you give away that? Well, I love Jesus. Just, I don't, you know? Just, So Paul goes on in verse 9, right? Think about this. He says, he says that I count it rubbish that I, may be, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He says the process, the process is faith in God. That's how, you, that's how you're righteous. That's how you're righteous. So next time the devil tells you you're a loser, you're not going, he's, you know, shut up, devil. And I'll tell you why. Because my righteousness is found in Christ, and that's how I'm going to heaven. When I stand before God, he says, by what right do you have to enter heaven? I have no rights, but, but my righteousness is found in Jesus. And let me say this to you. I know, you, I know this is going to blow your mind because the apostle Paul is like, yes, dude. But you have the, you're, you're just as righteous as the apostle Paul. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Brother Joe, when God looks at you, you are just as righteous as the apostle Paul was who wrote most of the New Testament because of Jesus. That you need to take home and put in the bank. I'm righteous because of faith, because of faith. Now, here's what I love about Noah. Noah did believe, guys. He did believe. The Bible says he believed, right? He said, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of the things. And I was saying, notice what he did. He moved with godly fear. So I don't think he got up and went, oh, building an ark. Yeah. Let me look at the plans again. Uh-huh. Break time. He moved because he knew that the judgment was, well, the judgment was severe and the judgment was near. You go, well, what should that do? Here's what it should do in your spirit, guys. It should move us at a godly pace to win the world for Christ. It was Keith Green who used to sing, Jesus rode, rose from the dead, and you, you can't even get out of bed. It's like, ah, ah, whoa, Lord, you know, we need to move with godly fear to win our city for Jesus because the invitation is still there, guys. People... People need to come. People need to come. Now, I love that Noah did believe. But before he could enter the ark, he must finish the task, right? So let's talk animals. You ready? Verse 2. He says, you shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, male and, male and his female, two each of the animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of the birds of the air, male and female, keep the species alive on the face of the earth. Now, the story has always been, you guys knew this growing up in church, God commanded to take Noah to take every animal into the ark, male and female. He said, yeah, we've, the story's two by two, there they go. But come and look at this a little bit closer, okay? He says, take seven of each, every clean animal, Male and female. Now, note the distinction. This has to do, if you're taking note, with sacrifice and then later on with actually eating the clean animals. Okay? So God is very specific. He didn't just say, hey, load up the ark with animals, and there you came two by two, right? We joke about mosquitoes. We know that mosquitoes weren't on the ark. We say that happened after or something, right? Because we would never take mosquitoes on the ark. But he's saying take, take, take seven, seven. You go, what does that mean exactly? Well, okay, jot this down if you're just taking note. It could mean seven pairs of clean animals, okay, seven pairs, or three pairs of it plus one extra. That's what it could mean. Now, I was going to go through all the animals, but for the sake of time, can I give you some homework? You go, what's the homework? Oh, go over to Leviticus chapter 11 and read that, and that's going to tell you what is clean and what is unclean. Okay, so you'll know what is clean and unclean. You go, well, Ben, how big was the ark, right? Well, remember, it was, it was huge. Well, Ben, how many, how, how big was, how many animals could fit in there? Well, I did some research, and some suspect that there was a minimum of 2,000 animals that were in the ark, and with a maximum to 40,000. Well, which is it, Ben? I don't know, I wasn't there. That's a lot of animals. That's a lot of animals. Notice what God says in verse 4. For after seven days more, yes, Lord, I will cause it to rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made inside. Now, I'm bummed at this verse, right? I am bummed because this is, well, okay, I'm, I'm bummed, but I can see God's grace. Right? What do you mean? First and foremost, God's giving the world seven days to repent. 
Seven days to repent. He says, in seven days, it's going to rain. And I don't know if Noah was like, man, well, 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 you know, the animals are entering the ark. He's telling people, guys, listen, listen, it's seven, seven days. Come on, you've got to get in the ark with me. No, Noah, you're crazy. And, and I mean, think about it. What do you think they thought when all these animals came walking up the ark by themselves? I mean, they're, they're just like, what is, what is going on here? Come on, seven days. So, but, but I'm super bummed because notice what he says. He says, I will destroy from the face of the earth every, all living things that I have made, that I have made. This is going down in seven days. This is going down in seven days. Church, let, let me ask you this on a, on, a whole, on a whole different related topic. This is going down in seven days. Let me ask you this. How would you live your life if you knew that you weren't going to be here in seven days? How would you live your life? What would you do different if in seven days God was going to take you home or the rapture was going to happen? Here, here's, here's, here's what I would hope you'd say. I wouldn't live any different than I'm living today. That's what I hope you'd say. I keep on telling, I keep on preaching, I keep on giving, I keep on doing because I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do. But if you've got to take a step back and you go, oh, maybe I would Maybe I would say more. Maybe I would witness more. Maybe I'd be a little bit more bold in my faith. Maybe I'd be a, a, a little bit more, maybe, I, I don't know what I would do, but think about your life. Seven days, this is going down. How would you live? How would you live today? Seven days going down, right? Seven days going down. What, how would you, what, would you reconcile relationships that, that, that you've been waiting on? Would you offer forgiveness? Would you say, man, I, I've been holding that. Man, I've got seven days. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call up that old friend and say, listen, let's just, I'm sorry. I know I haven't, maybe we're, we're estranged from our family. Maybe we haven't talked to a relative in years. We go, hey, listen, listen, I love you, man. What's done is done. Let's move forward. Or maybe we can, guys, we can forgive some of the hurts This is going down in seven days. What, Ben? He says, I will cause it to rain on the earth. Now, we know later on in, in our study, and then we know in, in Genesis 8, 2, it says the foundations are going to open up. So it's not just rain. You've got to keep that in mind, right? It, it's, sometimes we felt like it's rained 40 days and 40 nights around here, man. It's just like, but it's going to rain, but the, the, the ground is going to open up. Guide the fountains of the deep, and water's going to come up. I mean, it's going to flood fast. So both rain and the deep filling from the earth and here's the sad part. Everyone on earth died. Everyone on earth died. You go, well, why does that bum you out? Well, here's the problem. The problem is that we love to paint our Sunday school classes, and we love to paint our nurseries, and we have a beautiful ark, and we see animals going in, but really it's a tragic story, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, that's where God killed everyone on earth, except eight people. But you said, well, where's the grace? Well, again, think about it, guys. We see God's grace. How so? Well, look at verse 5. And Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the floodwaters. Now, Noah was 600 years old, but he also had what? Do you guys remember a fellow by the name of Methuselah? It would, have been, it would have been Noah, it would have been Lamech, and then Methuselah. Now, Methuselah's name means, when I die, it will come. And we know that he lived to what? To be 969 years old. He was the longest person ever recorded living, almost a thousand years. And that's how I know God has grace. Because when Methuselah died, Noah was 600, and the flood came. And the flood came. Look at verse 7 with me again, guys, real quick. I want you to see it. So Noah with his son, his wives, his wife's sons, went into the ark. Why? Because of the waters of flood. Noah and his sons, his wife, his son's wives, listen, they were given the invitation to go into the ark. And they made the right choice. Why? It was salvation for Noah's family. For Noah's family. 
So I love that. I love that they were given the invitation and they made the right choice. Then he says in verse 8, of clean animals and the animals of unclean of birds and everything that creeps on the ground, two by two they went into the ark, male and female, as God commanded him. Look at verse 10 with me, guys. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. This, in the 600 year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were open. There it is again, guys. And the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, once again, the worldwide flood didn't happen simply by raining 40 days and 40 nights. The fountains of the great deep were, were broken up. Water came up from the ground, and that's why it only took 40 days to completely flood the earth. Now, here's what you need to understand. It wasn't just a centralized flood. It was a, it, the Bible speaks of it being just a cataclysmic worldwide flood. And so right now, guys, there's water everywhere. It's been raining 40 days and 40 nights, and the ark, well, the ark is afloat. But right about now, everyone on earth is dead. And what breaks my heart, and what should should break your heart, is they were handed an invitation to salvation, and they said, no thanks. They said, no thanks. Next week, we're going to see, guys, that God actually closes the ark. I wonder how many people were pounding on it. I don't even know if they were close by. I don't even know if they were like, hey, let's hang out by the ark just in case, bro. Or or just, or judgment came so swiftly. But I know this. The invitation was handed to them, and they declined. So, no, thank you. I'm fine. Me and God, we have it worked out. We have it worked out. Remember what the Bible says, guys, and you can jot this down. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, so I am sure he preached and invited everyone so that none would perish. He was preaching. He was telling people. Oh, that's where we leave our story tonight. But what I want you to do is I want you to fast forward until today. I want you to fast forward until, until, until today. You see, the invitations have been sent out. It's been heralded around the world, yet so many people today will make the sad choice of not coming into the ark, if you will. They're not going to come in. Let's say goodbye to Genesis, guys, and let's turn to John chapter 3. We're going to close in just a minute, but I want to give you a couple of verses. Okay, John chapter 3, you know this. Look at this is one of the greatest invitations that we could see if we'll just if we'll just work through it, right? You go, what is it? Well, you know this. It's John 3:16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Guys, this is the greatest invitation that God could give us. He sent his only son. He loves us that much and he says, "Hey, come on. I don't want anybody Right? Well, think about it. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he's saying that whoever or whosoever believes in him. What a great invitation. Look over to John chapter 6. Just move a few pages to the right. John chapter 6 verse 40. It says this, and this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, he says, and I will raise him up the last day. What a great invitation. What did Jesus say? He says, listen, this is the will of him. This is the will of God. What is this? What is the will of God? That everyone who sees the Son and believes, there's the invitation. I need you to believe. I need you to believe. I need you to put your faith and trust. Here is Jesus, God's invitation. And he says, What happens when I believe? He says, man, he'll have everlasting life, and I'm going to raise him up on the last day. This is God's word. And, of course, one of the greatest invitations we find, guys, as we say goodbye to John and we turn over to Romans, 
Romans chapter 10, you know this, you've heard it. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That should be a mic drop. But the question I have is, why? How? How? Everybody say how. Because the Lord says in verse 10, for with the heart, guys, one believes into righteousness. Oh, wait a minute. That's what we just studied about Noah. Oh, and he says, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Guys, that's why oftentimes we will have some people come forward and I will lead them in a prayer. Okay, words alone aren't sufficient to save, but, but we want them to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. There's nothing magical about the prayer. Lord, come into my heart, forgive me. My... There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. It's, it's, it's the attitude and it's, it's what he says. And of course, last verse, Romans 10, 13. For whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What would our world look like, church, if everyone we knew graciously accepted God's wonderful invitation to a relationship with him? What would our world look like? You go, Ben, man, that's a world I want to live in. You mean, we're talking early church. We're talking Jesus is number one. We're talking not not selfishness, but Christ-centeredness. Then what do I need to do? I, th- I think we need to do our part. We need to do our part. What? Sharing the good news with everyone. Sharing the good news. Telling people. But I don't know what to tell them. Could you just tell them about the love that God and how he spared you and how he invited you and you accepted? Could you, could you do that? Yeah, I guess I could. Well, Ben, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of critics. There's going to be a lot of, they're going to, you know what? But they were for Noah too. Noah, hey, you're crazy, dude. Hey, Noah, preacher of righteousness. Hey, Noah, it has never rained here. Hey, Noah. Because that's what people are saying nowadays. They're saying to us. They're saying to you. They're saying, well, listen, it's 2018. We're going to 2019. I thought Jesus was supposed to come back already. And Peter said, yeah, they're going to scoff in the last days. But keep your eyes forward. Keep your eyes posted. Because that's what we're going to do. As we close, guys, our study and move into communion tonight, let us consider the invitation. You go, what invitation? Of totally surrendering our hearts to Jesus. Of totally saying, God, I accept that invitation. I trust you. We have eternal life with the God that created us and to live safely in his arms. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. And we thank you for your great love. And we know, God, that you're speaking to us even now. The invitation is out, Lord, and we just, we just accept it, God. Come into the ark. Lord, you're bidding us to come. You're bidding us to come. And, Lord, as we partake in communion this, this evening, Lord, my prayer, God, is that we would... we would have that real relationship with you. And Lord, I know some of us, we stray from time to time. Some of us, we doubt from time to time. But Lord, you called us here tonight so that we could hear your word and that we could hear your spirit. And so Lord, even now we pray, speak to us, God. As we worship you, Lord, speak to our hearts. Change our lives, Lord. Change our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you 
or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.